Ephesians chapter 6. You see in the outline, it says verses 1 and 2. It will actually be 1 through 3 this morning. We're under a series that I call the Family Emphasis Weeks. Six weeks, we talked two weeks ago to the fathers and to the husbands. We talked this past week to the mothers and to the wives. We are going to continue this evening with wives again, as that is a two-part message. This morning, we're speaking to children. And this evening, I said we'll be speaking to wives Next week in the evening, we'll be speaking to siblings. Siblings. So Rosie's happy. She just ducked under the radar at having to hear the siblings' message, but you'll still get children. So uh, there you go. You know, whenever we come to a time of family emphasis, uh, there are certain things that we speak on. I was talking just this past week uh, to someone and was mentioning that as far as the, the wives go, I in fact did not speak on the dominant characteristic that we see in Scripture re regarding wives, which is submission. And I didn't do that for a couple of reasons. It may very well have simply um, been a, a bit of a mental oversight as I was pursuing other goals, because it is something that is important to, for the wives in this room to understand. Uh, one of the first reasons is because I did hit it to some degree when I was speaking to fathers and husbands. The other reason is because I believe that there is an imbalance to the degree that we preach submission to wives but fail to preach the responsibility of leadership and love to husbands. And perhaps in my own little way I was seeking to, um, knowing that I had preached submission several times, perhaps seeking to go in a little bit of a different direction for our wives in this room, understanding what you hear regularly and desiring um, to let you hear some other attributes of your responsibility as a wife. However, when it comes to children, the dominant characteristic or the dominant focus of preaching is what we'll speak about this morning from Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 3, that of obedience. And let me give you a little perspective this morning as we begin as to why that is and as to this issue as a whole. So I will actually be speaking to the children. Now, parents, this will be beneficial to you as well as parents and understanding what the biblical responsibilities upon your children and how you can help them fulfill their biblical responsibilities. But really, I am speaking to, the, to those who are still under the authority of their parents this morning. The father bears the most responsibility in the family, children. Your father bears the responsibility of leading his home. He bears the responsibility of directing his family, providing for his family, protecting his family, and training his family. Spiritually speaking, the father is what we would call the ultimate responsibility. The buck stops with him. If we're looking at this responsibility of the family, it doesn't get any higher than the father. The father is under Christ. He is led directly by Christ and by the word of God as he's taught the word of God by the church and by the pastor. But the father is the one that is responsible for his wife, for his children, for his home. 
and he bears the most responsibility. The mother in the family is responsible to obey God by submitting herself to her husband, to assume his vision, to facilitate his responsibilities, to love him, to support him, to raise up the children under his vision to keep his home. Spiritually speaking, the mother is responsible for the degree to which she submits herself to her husband. When the, when the father, the husband, stands before God, he will be responsible for how he led his wife, loved his wife, and raised his children. When the wife stands before God, she will not be responsible for all of that. She will be responsible for how she properly submitted herself to her husband and followed the Lord as, um, as through her husband. Now, the children in the family bear the least amount of spiritual responsibility. Children are not expected to lead their family. Children, it is not your responsibility by God to lead your family, to lead your parents, to tell your parents what they need to be doing. That's not a responsibility that God has given you. Children, you are not responsible or expected to provide for your family. You're not responsible to be the breadwinner for your family. You're not responsible to make sure food stays on the table. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't times in a child's life where perhaps in his teenage years, due to um, the particular dynamics of his family, he needs to get a job and he needs to help his family. I'm not saying that he shouldn't do that. I'm simply saying that before God, this is not his responsibility, as we see it in Scripture. Children, it is not your responsibility to assume the vision of your father. It is not your responsibility to agree with your father in all of his standards. It is not your responsibility. See, it is the wife's responsibility to completely align herself with her husband for their lives. It is. She has, she has married him. She has chosen to do so. And it is her responsibility to align herself with her husband. Children, you're born into a family. You don't have to agree with your dad on everything. That's not your responsibility before God. It's not your responsibility to assume His vision for the family. It's not your responsibility to align yourself with His direction in agreement. Children have one responsibility before God in the family. To honor their father and their mother. And the primary means of honoring your parents is by obeying your parents. And we'll talk about the difference today. And today we're going to consider this through Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. What does it mean to obey your parents? What does it mean to honor your parents? And children, why is it so important that you do obey your parents and honor your parents? Well, Lord willing, we'll answer these questions today. Let's dig in. Ephesians chapter 6, please follow along with me as I read verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, or excuse me, and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. So we begin in verse 1 with the very basic tenant of this command, children, obey your parents. 
That word there in the Greek literally means to hear or to conform to an authority or a command. If you were to parse this word in the Greek, it's made up of two Greek words, the preposition hupa and then the word akuo. Hupa means under and akuo means to hear. Literally, this word was formed by the words under and to hear, to hear under. Now, you can't do that for every Greek word. You can't divide it into its parts and then um, get great insight into what it means. Sometimes you say, well, where in the world, how did they put those two words together and come up with that? But in this case, it's very appropriate. To hear under, to hear with subjection, to listen, to not just have something come in and go out, but to hear what's being said and to place yourself under what's being said so that you are regarding the authority of the person who said it and therefore you are obeying what they said. Children, obey your parents. My favorite definition of obedience throughout the years has been this. Obedience is doing what you are told, when you are told to do it, with a right heart attitude. Obedience is doing what you are told, when you are told to do it, with a right heart attitude. Obedience is doing what is expected of you, children. Obedience is doing what is expected of you when it is expected of you. And obedience is also about the manner in which you do it. It should be with a right heart. It should be with a right spirit. What this means, children, is that you can be doing what your parents tell you to do and still not obeying them. Because they told you to do it this morning and you're doing it in the afternoon or evening. You're not doing it when they told you. They said, go do this right now, and you didn't do it now. It gets done, but you didn't do it now. You didn't do it when they told you to. It also means, children, that you can do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it and still be in disobedience. Because you are not doing it with the right heart attitude. And that's what the second phrase that we'll see in just a moment is, obeying them in the Lord. If you don't have the right heart attitude in your obedience, then it's not pleasing before God. If I'm told to take out the trash and I'm mumbling and grumbling and saying how this is ridiculous that I have this job and why why shouldn't my sister be doing this job and I take the bag and I toss it into the trash and I throw the lid on and okay, I'm done now and now it's done, that's not obedience. And that doesn't please the Lord. Obedience is doing what you're told to do when you're told to do it with the right heart attitude. So children, obey your parents, Paul says. And then that second phrase, very important. Obey your parents in the Lord. What does it mean that we would obey our parents in the Lord? Well, the suggestion could be made from other passages of Scripture that Paul is saying you only need to obey your parents if they are believers. Or that you only need to obey your parents when they're doing something that lives up to the expectations of God's Word. That is incorrect. That is not what the Bible is saying here. It's not saying that you need to obey only your parents if they are in the Lord. It's saying you need to obey parents and obey them in the Lord. In other words, you need to obey them in such a way that you that you are aligned with the Lord in your obedience. 
In other words, you need to obey your parents as an extension of your obedience to God. You need to see obedience not so much as you doing what your parents have told you to do, but of you doing what God has told you to do. As with anything in life, children, this is not about the physical things that we're looking at here. This is about you and God. Obedience is about you and your relationship with God. Do you want to obey God? Do you want to do what is right before God? Well, then you need to obey your parents. Not necessarily because you agree with what your, your parent is telling you to do. Not necessarily because your parent deserves to be obeyed. You obey your parents because God told you to. And you need to obey God. It's not about your parents. It's about God. And that's what he's saying here. Obey your parents in the Lord. Just like a wife is supposed to submit to her husband as unto the Lord. Just like an employer, employee is supposed to submit to his employer as unto the Lord. Children are supposed to obey their parents in the Lord. In contrast then, if you are not obeying your parents, children, you are not obeying God. It's that simple. When you disobey your parents, you're disobeying God. When you obey your parents, you are obeying God. So children, what I'm telling you is that your obedience to God is directly related to your obedience to your parents. You cannot be in a right relationship with God if you are not obeying your parents. When you disobey your parents, you have now stepped out of fellowship with the Lord and there is sin in your life. And there will be until you confess that sin and forsake that sin. Because disobedience to parents is disobedience to God. As we finish verse 1, the last three words, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. That word there literally meaning righteous. It's equitable. It's right. This is what God emphasizes at the end of this verse, this end of this command to obey. You obey the Lord because this is what is right to do. You obey your parents because in doing so you're obeying the Lord, which is right to do. You know, the world doesn't do a very good job at, obey, at, at defining right and wrong, does it? Many people in this world judge right and wrong based upon how an action affects them. If this action is going to be good for me, then it's right. If this action is going to be bad for me, then it's wrong. And so, right and wrong is on a sliding scale based upon the benefit. Well, there's cookies. I want cookies. So I'm going to take a cookie and it's going to be right because it's what benefits me. I don't want to mow the lawn. So I'm not going to mow the lawn. And that's right because it's right for me. The world is very confused about this idea of right and wrong. Then there are many people that don't believe there's right and wrong at all. There is no right. There is no wrong. Might makes right. Right is simply a figment of our imagination. Wrong is simply a figment of societal influence. Society decides what's right and wrong. Really, that's all the standard that there is? There's no right and wrong except what we decide is right and wrong? So the only reason why killing another human being is wrong is because society has decided it? 
And one day society can all get together and sit in a council and say, you know what? We're just going to decide that murder's not wrong anymore. That murder's okay. That it's all okay. Well, then what? Does that change the fact it's wrong? Absolutely not. Society doesn't decide right and wrong. Your parents don't decide right and wrong. Who decides right and wrong? What makes something right and something wrong? God. God decides right and wrong. God has told us what is right and what is wrong. The reason why murder is wrong is because the Bible says murder is wrong. The reason why lying is wrong is because the Bible says lying is wrong. And the reason why disobedience is wrong, children, is because the Bible says disobedience is wrong. Because there's a God in heaven that is greater than you. There's a God in heaven that is wiser than you. There's a God in heaven that is mightier than you. There's a God in heaven that created you. And that God is the standard for right and wrong. And obedience is of God. Therefore, obedience is right. And this God, the God who has the authority to say what is right and to say what is wrong, has told you what is right. And He said, obedience to your parents is right. We reverse that. We recognize that disobedience to our parents is wrong. The Bible doesn't say it's sometimes right to obey your parents and sometimes right to disobey your parents. The Bible doesn't say it's right to obey your parents only when you agree with them. The Bible doesn't say you have an exemption from obedience once you hit a certain uh, age, once you're a teenager, or once you're in this grade. The Bible doesn't say that obeying your parents is subjective. It says that obeying your parents is right. So children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Then notice verse 2. Paul goes on and he says, Honor thy father and mother. This word honor is literally the word to value or to respect, to place high, to to place in a special category or to elevate above other things, to honor. This concept is to treat your parents with value and with respect. Now, we all want to be treated with respect, don't we? Is there anyone in this room that would raise their hand and say, yes, I want to be disrespected. I want people to walk all over me. I just, I want to be that person that's dishonored. Nobody. Nobody wants to be treated that way. Everybody wants to be treated with honor and with respect. We all have that need to feel like we have value and we have worth. But, you know, even though everybody wants to be treated with honor and with respect, not everyone is worthy of honor and respect, are they? Not everyone acts in such a way that they are worthy of your respect. Some people act in such a terrible way, it is very difficult to respect them. They lie, they cheat, they steal, and in doing so, they forfeit their own self-respect. They lose respect. You know, some people don't even respect themselves and act in such a way that they almost ask to be disrespected. 
perhaps it's by doing drugs or by getting drunk or doing things that reveal a personal disrespect for their own selves. And you know, if a person doesn't even respect themselves and acts in such a way that they are disrespecting themselves, it's very difficult for other people to respect them, isn't it? It's difficult for you to look at somebody who is destroying their own life and acting irresponsibly and acting in a way that, that shows no self-respect and to try to conjure up respect in your own heart for them. But it's also very difficult for a person who is not acting respectably for us to show them respect. When they act without honor, we don't feel like they deserve honor. But you know, there are certain people in this life that are worthy of our honor and respect, whether they deserve it or not. There are certain people that by virtue of their position deserve our respect according to God's word. Do you know that the leaders of our country deserve your honor and respect whether or not they've earned it? The leaders of our country don't necessarily deserve our respect. They lie to us. They cheat us. They steal from us. They tell us things and they do the opposite. They're not good people. But do you know that the Bible tells us that we are to honor them? That we are to place them at a level of respect? That if you were to meet one of these government leaders that is lying to us and cheating us and stealing from us, that you should act nicely, dress nicely, and give them the honor, not due to the way they act, but due to the position they have. That doesn't mean you have to respect him as a person or her as a person, but you respect the position that they have and you treat them accordingly because of the position that they have. That's biblical. Pastors are worthy of that respect as well. Not every pastor acts respectably. Not every pastor responds and acts in such a way that he has earned your respect as a man or as a Christian. But as a man in authority over the church, placed there by the church, he is worthy of your honor. And children, for Ephesians chapter 6 verse 2 tells us that parents are worthy of your honor. Worthy of your value and respect. Even if they don't act in such a way that would cause you to respect them. There are men and women in this room who grew up in families where their parents were not respectable people. Where they did not do things that made them worthy of honor and respect. Where they acted in, perhaps they were unbelievers, perhaps they were believers. Either way, they acted in such ways that you, you look at them and you say, those people are not worthy of my respect. And yet Ephesians chapter 6 verse 2 doesn't say, honor thy father and thy mother as long as they're Christians. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 2 does not say, honor thy father and thy mother as long as thy father and thy mother are doing right. Ephesians 6 2 says, honor thy father and mother. And that's it. That's where it stops. Honor them. Give them the respect, not necessarily due to who they are as a person, 
but the position that they have over you. Children, do you believe that God is in control? Do you believe that when you were born into the family that you were born into, that that was, was a mistake? That God made a mistake when He caused you to be born into your family? Did God give you the parents He gave you by mistake? Did God, as He saw into your future and was looking at the decisions that you'd make and the desires that you'd have to serve the Lord, did He say, I'm going to give them the worst parents possible just to make it impossible for them to do what's right? I'm going to give them the worst parents possible and just laugh at them as they try to do what's right. God didn't do that. God gave you the parents that He gave you. And in giving you the parents He gave you, He is expecting you to honor them. And notice the second half of this verse, which is the first commandment with promise. So honoring your parents is a command, children. And Paul takes great care to mention that it is not just a command, but it is one of the commandments. The Ten Commandments given by Moses to the people of Israel in Exodus chapter 20. In fact, it's Exodus 20 verse 12. It is one of those ten overriding commandments that God intended to govern the interactions of the nation of Israel with both God and man. But not only is this command for children to honor their parents, one of the Ten Commandments, but Paul also notes that it is the first commandment in of those Ten Commandments that is directly, directly accompanied by a promise. This commandment comes with a promise. And what is that promise? What's the promise that God has given to those who would obey this command to honor their parents? Well, it's found in verse 3. Take a look at it with me. Verse 3, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. The promise is that of wellness and long life. And that's quite a promise, isn't it? Now, this promise is a little bit different from the one that was given specifically in the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, the promise was that the parent-honoring child would live long upon the land that God had given to them. So God tied the promise directly to the covenantal land that God promised to Israel, the land of Canaan. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 3, the promise is adapted to those who are not of Israel, who do not have the physical land, and it is adapted to the church. And so Paul connects it to the earth, seeing that the church has no land of its own. The church has no physical dwelling place. The church is all around the world. So it is not so much that we will live long upon the land, but we will live long upon the earth. One man put it this way as he tried to describe this. The substance and essence of this commandment are eternally in force. Its accidents alone are abolished. So the fact that it's, it had to do with the land of Israel, well, that part's gone because the law is gone and it has been fulfilled in Christ. However, the spirit of the law, the realities, the substance and essence of the law are most certainly still in effect because the law was spiritual and the law reflects God himself. And so this commandment and this promise are still valid. 
But the real question is not what the commandment and the promise are. What does it mean? What does it mean? If we take this promise at its most literal, it means that every child who honors his parents properly will live a long and healthy life. This is the same conundrum we come to in Proverbs chapter 22 when the scriptures tell us, train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart. See, there's difficulty with these promises because we as humans feel like looking down on these promises that we've seen this happen another way before. We've seen parents who have done their best to try to train up their children and their, their children have departed. And there's a great deal of, of debate in Christianity. Well, some people say, okay, maybe he departed, but he'll always come back. You can mark it down, he'll come back. Others say, no, no, it is a promise. And so if your children did depart, then you did something wrong. And others will say, no, it's simply a principle. This is a guiding principle by which we live, that if you, if you train up your children, then by and large, as a guiding principle, your children will remain in the faith. They will have a much greater opportunity to obey the Lord. The same debate is found surrounding this passage. To take this promise at its most literal tells us that long life and blessing are reserved and guaranteed for those who honor. And you know, the Greek does not contradict with this view. If you look at the Greek words up there and what they mean, literally, the word is well, and then makrokronios, long time, long makro. Kronios time. That your days may be long timed upon the earth. So we're not talking about some strange interpretation here that may have been twisted or confused or garbled or not quite taken literally. Literally, the word is long timed upon the earth. Now we as uh, Legacy Baptist Church do our best to take the Bible at its most literal all the time. But there is a part of us that might feel that this uh, this promise might be a little bit might not work quite the way that we would literally take it. What about martyrdom? What about persecution? Peter didn't live a full life. Paul didn't live a full life. Certainly Stephen didn't live a full life. Are we to assume, because they were under the law as well and under this in the Ten Commandments, are we to assume that all these men who were martyred for the sake of Jesus Christ were men that did not honor their parents because they didn't live long upon the earth and that it wasn't always well with them. See, there, there's a problem if we try to take this at its most literal. So what? how should we take this? Well, I really don't have a definitive answer for you. Uh, just like everyone in this room might have a different idea as to what train up a child in the way that he should go means, we might have a little bit of a different idea as to what it means that your days may live long upon the earth. Some believe it's simply a principle whereby the guidance and direction of parents leads children into general success and favor and health and well-being. I agree with that, but I don't think that's everything, personally. I believe there must at least be some spiritual component to it. Others believe this, that in obeying God by honoring one's parents, there is a promise not only of physical advantage in life, but also of spiritual advantage. That as you willingly trust God and honor your parents, God will reward that faith and obedience with spiritual wisdom, spiritual discernment, and guidance in life. So as you honor your parents and you, you obey your parents and honor your parents, God will then bless you with spiritual discernment 
that will help you make the right decisions in your life, that will help you do that which is right according to his word, that will help you maintain that health and that well-being that is found as a general principle to those who are righteous. And I think somewhere right in the middle there is probably where we should rest children. But whatever the case, though I cannot tell you exactly what this promise means to you. Children, can I tell you this? You want this promise. You want this promise in your life. You want what Ephesians chapter 6, verse 3 promises. And the way to get it is to honor your parents. So let's apply this morning. Three points as we apply for our children in this room. First, Children, obedience is not about agreeing with your parents. It's about agreeing with God. Obedience is about agreeing with God, not agreement with your parents. In every application in life, whether it's obedience to your pastor or obedience to your government or obedience to your boss or obedience to your husband, ladies, later on, or obedience to your parents, your step of obedience actually has nothing to do with whether or not you agree with the person who is asking you to do it. Your step of obedience has nothing to do with the person asking. It has to do with their position and your responsibility before God. Now, as I say that, let me make this principle clear. In Acts chapter 5, verse 29, we see a situation where Peter and the apostles are brought before their civil government. And their government looked at them and they said, you are not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. And Peter said this, we ought to obey God rather than men. See, in this particular circumstance, the government was asking the apostles to do something that directly contradicted the word of God. And children, this is very important, so don't... don't uh, space out on me now. You need to get this. You are required to obey your authority, your parents particularly, but only to the degree that what they are asking you to do is not contradicting the word of God. Your parents, if they ask you to sin, Acts 5.29 gives us the principle that you ought to obey God rather than man. Your parents do not have the authority to force you into sin in your life. They do not have the authority to force you to lie or to cheat or to steal or to be impure. That is not within the realm of your parents' authority before God. But, in every other instance, in every application of life where your parent is not asking you to do something that is in direct violation of the Scriptures, your obedience to their request is not about agreeing with them. It's about agreeing with God's Word. If you are not obeying your parents, if you're not doing what you're told, when you are told to do it, with a right heart attitude, then you are not obeying God, simply put. Whether you agree with them or not, doesn't really matter, kids. It doesn't really matter. If you agree with God, then you will do what your parents tell you. Now, our second principle is this. God expects you to honor your parents. Period. Now, obedience to your parents, children, 
ends at some point. There comes a point when a child is no longer obligated to obey his parents. Now, for many of you, this will be the point when you get married. The scriptures tell us that a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves unto his wife and they become one flesh. When you create an autonomous family, you are no longer under the authority of your parents and they can tell you to do things and you you don't have to obey them any longer. You are your own entity. You are your own authority. Now, there are times outside of marriage where this may happen as well. This is, typically speaking, conditioned by when your parents, as it were, release you from their authority. Some parents, their kids get to college and they say, look, son, look, daughter, you're in college now. You have your own place. You have your own job, whatever the case may be. You're on your own. You're making your own decisions now. Feel free to come back to me for advice. Feel free to come back to me for help. But you're your own now. Maybe at the beginning of college. It may be at the end of college. It may be when they get their first job. It may be when they get their first house. Various places where a parent feels comfortable um, releasing their authority over their children. But generally speaking, even if you don't get married, in our society at least, in Christian culture, this happens at some point. With some, it does not. With some, they say, I'm going to stay under my parents' authority until the day I get married. And that's certainly right and well, and I I agree with that also. Sometimes this is a spoken thing. Sometimes it's just an understood thing. Sometimes parents actually say, you're your own now. (coughs) Excuse me. Sometimes it just happens. The parents recognize it happened. The children recognize it happened. And it happened. But the command to honor your parents in Scripture does not have a statute of limitations. We never see a point in Scripture where the Bible says, stop honoring your parents. Ever. God expects you to honor your parents, period. It's a clear command without any mention of release that every child would honor his parents. And this means that whether you have godly parents or wicked parents, you respect their position in your life and you honor them. And notice this. It doesn't mean just when you are a young child under their authority. There may be a point, children, where you no longer have to obey your parents, but there's never a point where you don't have to honor your parents. That means adults in this room That means grandparents in this room. That means anyone that still has a father or a mother alive. You're expected to honor them. There's no statute of limitations on this. It doesn't matter if they demeaned you or neglected you or beat you. You don't have to agree with what they did. You don't have to submit yourself to such abuses. But you do need to show them the honor that is due to their position as your parent. Don't speak ill of them. Don't demean them. Don't seek to humiliate them. Don't treat them poorly. Leave their actions to God. They didn't treat you right? Well, the scriptures tell us in Romans chapter 12, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You don't need to treat them wrong in their latter years because they treated you wrong in your younger years. You don't need to humiliate them and demean them because they did that to you or because they're getting in your way, or because you don't want to have to deal with them. The Scriptures tell us, honor thy father and mother. And adult children, as much as young children, this comes with promise. 
comes with promise. Third and finally this morning, honoring your parents comes with this promise of blessing. We mentioned it already. We talked about what it is. We may not know fully what this means, but the promise stands. It is one of those beautiful truths about God that although He is all-powerful, He is the Creator, He doesn't need us. He's worthy of our every loyalty and obedience and wonder and praise. Yet even though He's worthy of it, He still blesses you when you do it. What a God. God deserves our obedience. God deserves our praise. God deserves our loyalty. And yet when we give it to Him, when we give Him what He deserves, He blesses us for doing it. So this is the responsibility and privilege that each one of us that still has living parents has in this room. To honor our parents and to expect the blessing that He's promised. Children who are still young under your parents' authority, when you stand before God one day for these years you're living right now, you will not answer to God for the decisions that your parents made. You will not stand before God and answer for the decisions they made in, in raising you, the choices they made. But you will answer for the decision that you made to obey them or to disobey them in the Lord. All children, regardless of age, you will answer to God for whether or not you have honored your parents in this life. Regardless of who they were or what they did, and with your personal decision to obey God comes a personal promise by God of blessing. And so as we close today, may God help each one of us to apply this message properly to our lives. Young children in this room, have you been disobedient? Are you living a life that is characterized by disobedience to your parents? Do you do what you're told to do? When your mom or your dad asks you to do something or tells you to do something, do you do it? Do you do it right away? Do you do it right away with the right heart attitude? Because if you're missing any of those steps, children, then you're doing it wrong and you're not pleasing the Lord and you'll answer to God for it. Maybe we need to take some time today and talk with our parents. Tell them that we realize we have not been obeying as we ought. And tell them that you are going to hold yourself accountable to obey your parents because you know it's right before the Lord. And your parents can help you remain accountable to that. Older children in this room, maybe you've not been honoring your parents as you ought. They're still alive. And maybe they're not the best of people. Maybe they don't deserve a lot of respect. They haven't done a whole lot to earn your respect in their lives. But you know what? Your parents deserve your honor. Because the Scriptures tell us that your parents deserve your honor. Are you honoring them? Maybe you need to get with them. Maybe you need to apologize to them. Tell them that you apologize for not honoring them as you ought. Tell them that you're going to do better at giving them the honor that is due, not, be, not necessarily because you respect them, you don't have to tell them that, but because God wants you to honor your parents. And in doing so, you get to be a testimony to them of what is right and what is good. And you can make it clear, that doesn't mean you're going to obey them because you're an autonomous person. You are out from under their authority, but that you will give them the respect that is due because they're your parents, according to the Lord. Let's pray together.